Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Winner's Worship Express. This is our new worship format for the summer. Just for the summer, we're going to get into the word and we're going to give our give, you know, give our, our money and then let you go and enjoy your summer days. All right. Well, let's just get right into this. Father, we just thank you for your word today. We thank you for this time of worship and in being in your presence. We thank you for the glory of God this beautiful Sunday morning. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for what you're going to say today. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus said something very powerful in John 10.10. He said, the thief does not come, but for three reasons to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I want to let you know that your enemy, the devil, wants to steal your future. But the good news is you're not going to let him. You're going to hold on to your future. You're going to hold on to your next. You're going to hold on to your tomorrows. Peter comes and he says this. He said, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice that, whom he may devour. He can't just devour anybody, but he's looking for the victims. He's looking for the people who have their guard down, the Christians who are not sober, who are not alert, and he comes to devour them and to steal their future. But again, you're not going to let him because you're going to be alert. You're going to be sober-minded, and you're going to know who you are in Christ. Amen. And so I'm going to give you uh, three things that you need to do to keep yourself on course and keep the devil from stealing your future. Write this down. Number one, don't doubt the goodness of God. Don't what? Don't doubt the goodness of God. If you didn't know it by now, doubt is your enemy. Doubt is not your friend. Doubt is not your, your um, beautiful mom, your kind father. Doubt is your enemy. It's a thief and it wants you to, to be stolen from and it will cause the devil to steal your future. And in particular, doubt or the devil wants you to doubt the goodness of God. Why? Because when you doubt the goodness of God, you're doubting his character. You're doubting his intentions towards you. You're, the devil is causing you to believe that there's something sinister ab about God, something that's twisted about God. And let me let you know, if you do believe that, you are being deceived. Don't let the devil deceive you. Remember what James said? He said, when you're going through a trial, when you're going through trouble, people are going to think, oh, God is the one that's causing this trouble. God is the one that's testing me or tempting me in this way. And he says, no, 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 no. God does not tempt or test anyone with evil. And he says this. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. And then he starts saying this. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. In other words, God's not like the shifting shadows. He's not good today and bad tomorrow. He's not blessing you today and cursing you tomorrow. That is not God. He says, don't be deceived. And that's exactly what happened in the Garden of Eden. Satan came to this beautiful couple 
our first parents, they were living in paradise. They were living in pleasure. They were living in the goodness of God, and he caused them to doubt. Watch this, what it says in Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? You see, he was getting her to start doubting. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the tree, the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, God never said, you can't touch it, whatever. <laughs> then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Can you imagine this sinister, wicked spirit is speaking through this serpent and he's telling Eve that God is not good. He's not, he's not, he's not of that kind of character. He's sinister. He's holding back on you. He knows this. So come on and do this. And, and let me tell you something. If you ever get to that place where you're doubting the goodness of God, you have entered into deception. Matter of fact, some of you may be in that place right now. Back on out of that room. Back out of that realm and start shouting, God is good. There's nothing wrong with God. He is perfect in his goodness towards me. He is perfect in his kindness towards me. There's nothing bad about God. Everything about God is good. Everything about God is positive. Matter of fact, remember when Moses was talking to the Lord about his presence going with him and the children of Israel, and he said, show me your glory. What did God said? I will let my goodness pass before you. God recognize his glory as his goodness. God is good and he's good all the time. And you must be convinced of that like our friend David. King David, you know, he was that shepherd boy king and he was not the one that his father even thought should be brought before the prophet to be selected as God's next king. God got rid of Saul, he was done with Saul. <laughs> and he said, go and anoint one of Jesse's sons. He didn't tell him who it was. So Jesse brought all his sons out. He brought seven good-looking, strong men. And when the, when the prophet was looking at them, he said, oh, surely the Lord's anointed. God said, nah. <laughs> he did it again. He said, nah. <laughs> he went through all seven. God was like, he ain't, they ain't the one. And so uh, the prophet was like, whoa, what is going on here? And he said to Jesse, do you have any other sons? He said, yeah, I got, I got one out there, number eight. Come on, the number of new beginnings. Hey! <laughs> and he called for David. He said, we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going to do nothing else until that guy comes. And then when he came, he said, this is the one. And he anointed David as the next king of Israel. Now, can you imagine you wasn't looking to be king? You wasn't looking for the prophet to come. You wasn't looking for God to choose you, but God chooses you. And then you go through a period of so many years of being um, betrayed, being hunted down like an animal because this madman named Saul, 
who was your father-in-law, who you loved, who you honored, who you served, you fought wars for him. He's trying to kill you because he's jealous of you. Can you imagine how David felt? He could have been tempted to say, God's not good. Why would he put me in this? I was doing fine in my dad's um, house, taking care of the sheep. I was doing fine protecting them and just being a shepherd boy king or a shepherd boy. Why put me in this situation? But he never doubted the goodness of God. He never saw Saul's attack on him as God doing it to him. He knew that it was just Saul's evil. He understood that Saul was just an enemy and he recognized that God was good. That's why he wrote in Psalm 23, surely the goodness of God or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Now that Psalm is the Psalm we're talking about God being his shepherd. He starts out with the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He understood God is taking care of me. Jehovah, Yahweh is my king and he's taking care of me. And one of the things I know about him is that goodness and mercy are gonna follow me all the days of my life. Before then in Psalm 21, it says this, he says this in Psalm 21. And Psalm 21 is really David, a Psalm, a song of praise where David's going around talking about all of the blessings he has now that he's entered his kingship. And he's like, you've given me long life. You've done this for me. You've done that for me. And this is what he says. He says, for you meet him with the blessings of goodness. You set a crown of pure gold upon his head. So we know he's in his kingship and he's saying that all these blessings, all these benefits, all this wealth, all these riches, all this, um, this vast army I have, all these mighty men, all the things, these, these wives and these concubines and these children and this great vast kingdom you've given me, he said, it's the blessings of what? Goodness. The blessings of what? Goodness. So David was convinced and understood that everything I have, everything I'm enjoying is the goodness of God. And so I want you to take time out this morning, take time out this week and think about every good thing that is happening to you. Yeah, the devil would like you to be convinced of the bad that's happening to you. He would like you to think about your enemies, but take your mind off your enemies. Take your mind off of what you don't have or what's not happening and put your mind on the table that God has set before you. The Bible says he will set a table before you in the presence of your enemies. When you have a table before you, you should be thinking about your enemies. Think about the table and think about what's on the table. Hallelujah. And the more thankful you are, the more grateful you are, the more you focus on the table, of the Lord, come on. You'll forget about your enemies. You'll forget about the negatives and you'll be in a place where you can experience more of God's goodness. The devil knows that ungratefulness leads you to a downward spiral. So I wanna encourage you, do what Paul said. He said, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, that you give thanks for all things. Not all things that the devil has done, but all things God has done. He can say, give thanks in every circumstance. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. You're thanking God for his blessings. You're thanking God for his goodness. You're thanking God that the things that are not right, he's making right. And the places that you don't want to be, he's taking you out of them. Amen. Hallelujah. Because part of the blessing of God is deliverance from captive situations. Some of you may be in financial debt. God is bringing you out. Some of you may have some kind of sickness in your body. God is bringing you out in the name of Jesus to the glory of God. If you have a problem in your right knee, come on, move it, move it. I mean, your left knee rather, move it. Jesus is healing you right now. Yeah, you got some pain on the side of your left knee. Jesus is healing you right now. That's the power of God. That's the blessing of goodness. Somebody shout, God is good. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. All right. So David was convinced of God's goodness, and you must also be convinced of God's goodness. Number two, don't ever doubt how much God loves you. Ah, hug yourself. <laughs> God loves you. God loves you very much, like the angel told Daniel. God loves you very much. Somebody say, very much. Yeah, it's not just a little bit of love. He loves you very much. Jesus said to Nicodemus, he said, God so loved the world. Not a little bit of love, not a little dabadooya. No, he said he so loved the world. He's emphasizing the passion of the Father towards humanity, the passion of the Father towards you. Now, Nicodemus is a religious old guy. He's a teacher of the law. Why is he talking about love? Shouldn't he be talking to him about the law? No. God is not law. God is love. I'm going to say that again. God is not what? Law. God is what? Love. Amen. Amen. And if once you recognize that, you'll, start, you'll stop living a, a law-based life and live a love-based life. Even your parenting will be different. Your thinking about prayer will be different. How you move about and face your future will be different when you know that God radically loves you, that God is passionate about you. You'll face tomorrow with confidence when you understand that the Father loves you just as much as he loves Jesus. Now, I know that's hard to believe, but check out John 17. When Jesus himself says it, that the Father loves you as much as he loves him. And Jesus is not a liar. The Bible calls him the amen. And if Jesus said it, it is so. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Hallelujah. You can doubt it if I said it, but Jesus said it. And we cannot doubt it. So never doubt the love that God has towards you. Look at this. Jeremiah 29, 11. Now, we know the scripture so well. I think almost everybody in the body of Christ around the world knows the scripture. And it says this, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That goes back to the goodness of God. I'm not planning evil for you. I'm not planning something treacherous towards you. I'm planning good things towards you because I have good thoughts about you. And guess what? That's all based out of the love of God. God cannot have thoughts of peace about you if he didn't love you. 
He can't have plans to prosper you if he didn't love you. He's like giving you a future and a hope if he didn't love you. Yes, he loves you. Hold on to your future. Don't let the devil steal your future. Don't let the devil steal your blessings. Say, devil, you can't have my future. Say it right now. Devil, you can't have my future. You can't have my blessings. Yeah, you got to talk to the devil in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you will walk in the fullness of God's love and God's favor on your life. And you will have a glorious future in Jesus' name. Look at this. In John 16, now Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's having a discussion with his disciples. Some people believe that what we find in John um, 13, 14, 15, and 16 is Jesus talking to his disciples at the Lord's Supper, that this is his discourse during the Lord's Supper. And this is one of the things he says. He starts talking about prayer and about the resurrection when he comes back from the dead. And he says in verse 26, in that day, the day of the resurrection, the day when I sin at the right hand of the Father, you will ask in my name, and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. In other words, I don't have to go to the Father for you. You're going to have direct access to the Father. And he says why, verse 27, for the Father himself loves you. Woo, come on. Because the Father himself loves you. You know why you're going to have direct access to the Father? Because he loves you. You know why you won't have to say, oh, Jesus, go ask the Father for me. Because he loves you. Have you ever seen little um, siblings? They'll, uh, the little one or whoever the one is favorite. It could be the older one. It could be the little one. Whoever's favorite, they'll say, hey, go to mom and dad and ask them. <laughs> because they feel, oh, you're favorite. They won't say no to you. They may say no to me, but they won't say no to you. And But guess what? Jesus says, you don't have to play that game with the Father. He said, the Father himself loves you. The Father himself favors you. Because actually this word is talking about, in the Greek, is the word love that has to do with God's favor towards you. So God's loving favors towards you. No one has to go to God for you. You can go to the Father for yourself in the name of Jesus. And he will hear you and he will answer you. One of the things you need to be convinced about, that when you go to the Father, when you open your mouth, he is happy to hear from you. There's no frown on God's face like, okay, what do you want now? <laughs> God is not like a human being. God is smiling. God is excited. God is like, yo, what you want? What's going on? What's good? Come to my throne of grace and come boldly. Don't act like a little, you know, I'm scared sheep a timid sheep. No, you're my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. Come with some authority and some bass in your voice. Tell me what you want. Tell me what you need, and I will do it for you. Oh, Pastor Maurice, is it that easy? It's that easy. Unfortunately, through religious teaching, through false doctrines, we've been convinced otherwise, but we're being convinced now in the real word of God. God loves you very much. And he's going to answer your prayers and he's going to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. Hallelujah. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Now, how about when I go through trials or something wrong is happening? Wrong things happening is not an indication that God doesn't love you. 
I'm gonna say that again. Wrong things happening is not an indication that God doesn't love you. And Paul explained that to us in Romans chapter eight, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. In verse 35, he says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, that's trouble, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. In other words, the Bible talks about you're going to go through some trouble. Some things are going to happen that's not so pleasant. But watch what Paul says. Verse 37, yet, yet, somebody shout yet. Wherever you watching this, shout yet. That means still. In all these things, in the trouble, in the distress, no matter what you're facing, we are more than conquerors. More than what? Conquerors. In other words, we're victors. But this is what he says, through him who what? Loved us. Love is the basis for your victory. God loving you is the foundation of your victorious life. So you can tell the devil to jump off because God loves me. <laughs> you can tell the demons to scatter because God loves me. You can tell depression, bye-bye, God loves me. You can tell anxiety, kick rocks, God loves me. When you see your bill, you can say it's going to be paid, God loves me. When you see your body and it's not really working the way you want it to work or the way God designed it to work, you can say, be well, God loves you. Yeah, you, you can look at your body sometimes in the mirror and say, body, God loves you. God designed you to function well. If you have any heart problems, you say, heart, God loves you. God is healing you. You have any bone problems, you have any other kind of problem, any brain problem, whatever it is going on, you say, brain, God loves you. Your memory is blessed. You begin to speak to your body, speak love to your body, speak life and light to your body and see it respond in the name of Jesus. We're going to say goodbye to the devil, goodbye to sickness and disease. If there's anybody, you suffer seizures or you know somebody who has seizures, that is a demonic thing. And you got to say, no, I will not have seizures in the name of Jesus. I am loved by God. Seizures, you have no place in my life. I rebuke you and I resist you in the name of Jesus. And you stay away from fearing anything coming back on you, and you will walk in the victory of the Lord. Amen. God loves you very much. Don't ever doubt it, and the devil won't have your future. Woo, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. And I love how Paul ends it like this. He says, for I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So you have nothing and no one to be afraid of because God loves you. And the word of God says, love casts out all fear. I'm not afraid about my future. I'm not concerned about my future. Why? Because I'm convinced that God loves me and God has something great ahead for me. My heart is filled with hope. 
He's the God of hope. And he has filled my heart with hope and joy. I live in divine expectation of a greater tomorrow. And you can do the same thing if you are convinced that God loves you. How do you start getting convinced? Start putting your hand on your heart and say, God loves me. God loves me very much. Just keep saying it to yourself over and over again. God loves me. God loves me very much. And then worship him. When you're worshiping the God who loves you, his love will flow and flow and flow. Amen. The Bible says actually in Romans that the Holy Spirit has been sent into your spirit and he has actually poured out the love of God into you. Some people have taught that was the love that you use to love other people. And that is true. But really, in context, that's talking about that the Holy Spirit has poured into your spirit the knowledge that God loves you. So all you have to do is look into your spirit. Your spirit is crying out, God loves you very much. God loves you very much. <laughs> if you're not convinced, that means you're in the soulless realm. And the devil is hitting your head. You have to say, get out of here, devil, and look into your spirit where the love of God, the knowledge that God loves you is, is there. It's in the spirit, man. Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. You are loved by God. Number three, my last point. Don't ever doubt who you are in Christ. The devil is after identities because he knows that if I have your identity, I have your future. He knows that if I have your identity, I have your future. Don't let him have your identity. The Bible says that you are in Christ by God's doing. That's 1 Corinthians 1, 30 or 31, or 30. You are in Christ by God's doing or of, or of God, you are in Christ. And then 31 talks about how Jesus would come to you, righteousness and wisdom and all this stuff, sanctification and so on and so forth. So you are identified with Christ. You are in the Messiah. You are in the son of God. You are in him. You are united with him. And your identity is heavenly. Satan hates it. Satan is jealous of it. And he wants to steal it from you. And you got to say, sorry, buddy. I'm blessed and you're not. <laughs> those, de those demons go crazy. You can, if you could see the Roman spirit, you would see them weeping and crying and fearful and shaking because they know that you're blessed and they're not. They know that you're a citizen of heaven and they no longer are. They've been kicked out. <laughs> Come on. We're seated in heavenly places, far above all principality and power. They're down below. They're nobodies. They're cursed beings. And so they want you to be miserable by stealing the knowledge of your identity. That's so what the Bible says, my people are destroyed for the lack of what? Knowledge. Because they've rejected knowledge. So the knowledge of who you are in Christ is in the word. You have to get into the word, find out who you are. And don't let the devil steal it from you. One of the things the Bible says that you are is found right here in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For he made him, talking about Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
That's one of the things that you are. You are the righteousness of God in him. What does that mean, Pastor Maurice? That means you're in right standing with God. That means that you and God are okay. God has said, I'm good with you. You're my man. You're my woman. You are right with me. Hallelujah. You don't have to try to work to get to heaven. Heaven is your home. You belong to my household. The Bible says we're members of the household of God. Righteousness got you that. The Bible says that God is our father. Righteousness got you that. Yes, that's your identity. Son of God, daughter of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2, 9, that you are a chosen generation. That's your identity. You're a holy nation. That's your identity. That's your identity. Your royal priesthood, that's your identity. Royalty, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Come on. Somebody shout, I'm royalty. Hallelujah. You are royalty. The Bible says you've been called by that noble name. That's what James says. So all the apostles are coming together, identifying the truth. Paul says you're going to reign in life as kings. Everybody's saying that you're royalty. Even John. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. And Revelation says that Jesus loved you, washed you from your sins through his blood, and has made you kings and priests unto God and his Father. So you're God's king. You're God's priest. Come on. All the apostles have concluded that you are royalty. So why are you letting the devil tell you, you ain't nothing, you ain't going to ever be nothing, you're a loser, you want to always be a loser? Tell the devil, you're the loser. <laughs> Tell the devil, get lost. Stop sweating me. Amen. <laughs> Somebody shout, I'm royalty. Then it goes on to say that you are God's own special people. The literal translation is that you are God's purchased possession. Do you know what that means? That you are God's special treasure. He bought you because you are valuable. You belong to God. When you belong to, can, any, can God, anything belong to God that's not special? Can anything belong to God that's not a treasure? Nah. He told Israel, you're my special treasure. He's saying to the church, to the body of Christ, to the ecclesia, the called out ones, you're my special treasure. You're my purchased possession, my own people. That's your identity. That's your identity. And we owe God a praise. We owe God a, a hallelujah. You know, the song says, raise a hallelujah. Well, right now, raise a praise wherever you are. Begin to lift your voice. Begin to praise God and say, thank you, Father, for who I am in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Father, for my identity. Thank you, Father, for, for what you've made me. Don't just look at me. Go ahead and praise him. Lift your hands. Everybody, lift your hands and begin to praise your Father for who you are. I praise you, Lord, because I'm righteous. I'm no longer a sinner. I'm your saint. I'm your beloved. I'm loved by you. I'm chosen by you. I'm royalty because of you. Thank you, Father God. Begin to praise him. And the more you praise him and the more you glorify him and the more you worship him for who you are, the bigger it's going to become in your mind and in your heart. It's going to be an enlargement happening. And you're going to be walking around like, yeah, what? <laughs> I know who I am. <laughs> Come on, somebody. I'm excited about your future. I'm excited about your tomorrow because your identity is going to bring you into all that God has for you.
Thank you, Jesus. Glory be to God. Somebody has just been set free. Come on, clap your hands. Hallelujah. The devil cannot have your future. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Wasn't that awesome? Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, right now, we're going to open this time for someone who's watching who may not know the Lord. If you don't know Jesus, this is your opportunity to switch kingdoms. Switch kingdoms. Yes. It's your opportunity to be what the Bible calls born again. I don't care if you come from a different denomination. I don't care if you come from a different religion. I don't care what you are part of or how you grew up. Jesus said you must be born again. One girl I was praying with said, oh, I'm Catholic. I said, I don't care. You can be a born again Catholic. <laughs> Hallelujah. So whatever you are, whoever you are, you must be born again. And we're going to pray a prayer. You must pray this prayer. Don't just listen to me pray it. You must pray it from your heart and out of your mouth. Not think it, pray it, and you'll receive salvation. You'll be born again. You'll switch kingdoms right now. Say this with me. Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. Jesus, I believe that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, I accept you as my personal Lord and Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me new life. In Jesus' name, I've just been born again. In Jesus' name, I am saved. Woo! Glory to God. If you said that prayer and you believed it from your heart, you've just been born again. I know you can feel that change on the inside of you. You just switch kingdoms just like that. That fast, that fast. Hallelujah. Salvation is that easy because Jesus did all the work. All God's requiring for you to do is believe and receive the gift of salvation that he offers you. So if you've done that, contact us, email us, let us know that you've received Jesus as your Savior. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to the family of God. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Now, those of you who are already saved, you're still watching, don't turn it off. Don't turn it off. I know you're ready to go have your hot Christian summer, but don't turn it off. It's time to give. You have to be a sower. We're calling you summer sowers. Yes, summer sowers. You are a person who's not going to spend all your money on your drinks and you're hanging out and you're having a good time on the beach and going on your trips away. You're going to sow into the kingdom. I believe that you're going to be a faithful tither and a faithful giver all across the country. Preachers are always concerned during the summertime that people are going to stop giving because they're spending their money at Disneyland and Disney World. <laughs> and they're doing this and they're doing that because their kids are out of school. They're paying for camp. Listen, I know you have bills. I know you have responsibility. Guess what? God knows it too. But he still is calling you to be a faithful giver. Put him first and he will bless you. Some of you have already been experiencing those blessings. Keep putting them first. Keep telling others and train others to be givers. If you're a parent, and you check on your kids. See if they're giving. See if they're tithing. Come on. See if your spouse is tithing. See if your spouse is giving. Say, yo, what's up with the giving to Jesus? What's up with the giving to Winner's Church? Let's do this thing. 
God loves you. And the Bible says this, God loves a cheerful giver. And so I want you to have a good attitude. I want you to be excited about it. And I want you to give. Now, I'm writing, I, I don't know, by the time this recording comes out, if I've already set the letter out, I probably will have set the letter out. But we're going to be targeting you who are in your 20s and 30-year-olds in particular. A lot of you in our church are gainfully employed in the 20s and the 30s. And some of you are not giving. We have a percentage that give, but a whole bunch of you are not. And I'm challenging you to give in the name of Jesus. We create a cash app. Everyone wants to give fast. You can go, dollar sign, Winners Church, NYC, NYC, make sure you, 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 that you check that it's us and give to the cash app, amen. Or you can go online like everybody else, or you can give by text, or you can mail your offering in. There's someone who always mails their offering in, so that's cool too. But I encourage you, be a summer sower, tithe, give offerings, support your local church, amen? And God will multiply your seed sown, and he will bless your socks off in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your giving. All the giving has been on the screen, and I thank you for doing it in the name of the Lord. Listen, go out. Have a good time, have a good lunch, have a good dinner, have some fun, do something fun. Just enjoy yourself. This is going to be a great summer for Winners Church. We're going to be communicating with you more and more. We're getting ready to come back together in September. God is good. And so I'm looking forward to us being together again. Until next week, have a super duper week in the name of Jesus. I love you. God bless you. Bye-bye.